All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Can you turn me up a little bit? I bet. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. We making them chips? Yeah. Or should I say Fritos? Yeah. With the most laid back Jackson of all? Yeah. Tyrannio or Daryl? Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. My name is Sugar. Yeah. This sure is neato. Yeah. To be right here. Yeah. On iHeartRadio. <laughs> Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. It's Laia. Yeah. Your favorite black one. Yeah. With my man Tito. Yeah. The finest Jackson. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Boss Bill's my name. Yeah. Northern Indiana boy. Yeah. From the Jackson family. Yeah. Brought me a whole lot of joy. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. My name is Terry Allen. Yeah. yeah. My last name is Jackson. Yeah. I come with the action. Yeah. And that's a matter of fact. Roll call. Oh, yeah. Suprema. Yeah. Su- su- Suprema. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Wow. Yeah. I just recorded a song with a Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is our second, second recording the second with, one. with yeah, the Jacksons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and you Randy, know, Randy. We're, we're, we're experienced now. We're, we're honorary Jacksons. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Questlove Supreme. How you doing? Uh, and now we got Sugar Steve. Hello. How's it going, Steve? It's going good, man. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen all thirty-eight of your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> 38 that sounds like not enough he doesn't it doesn't well i think you know just enough uh laia how, how's life stupendous and i'm in this all right 
and uh, uh, Boss Bill. What's up? Wow, even Boss Bill's happy. Right? Yeah, we yeah. got jobs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I usually start every Questlove Supreme episode with a barrage of hyperbole <laughs> and praise that usually takes about seven minutes. But <laughs> if, if you don't lucky. know who our guest is today, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> And you listen to Questlove Supreme. He's been under a rock. Yeah, some, something, something's Shame. wrong here. Literally, I, I will say a member of probably one of the most loved and respected musical dynasties uh, celebrating their 50th anniversary in show business. Which is, wow. I remember that Soul Train episode where it was like their 10th anniversary in <laughs> show business. Now it's 50. That's incredible, man. That's, that's a legacy for your ass. Ladies and gentlemen. What else can I say? But welcome, Tito Jackson. Yes. Two Plus Love Supreme. Yes. Benjamin Button Jackson. Yeah, and I was about to say, regressing, and you, you, when I walked in the room. You thought it was my nephew. Yeah. I was, <laughs> That's a compliment. <laughs> you're taking care of yourself, man. We always knew that you and your brother Jackie had proper government names <laughs> that weren't your stage names. Um, so... How did you, uh, was Tito your middle name or your, mon- how did you get your moniker Tito? Papa. Papa Joe named me after a boxer named Tito something. I don't know. So Tito's way. on your birth certificate? No, it's not. Oh, no, never mind. No. Okay. My birth certificate name is Terriano. Okay. Terriano. A Daryl. A Daryl Jackson. Okay. Wait, those are so many names. Terriano, Daryl Jackson? That's right. Wow. A Daryl. A, a Daryl. Yes. Just not, That's only okay. three He's... names, the first, the middle, and the last, like everybody else. Margaret. Terriano's Adaro. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. So, Tiana. at what point were you I get Tito? It now. Ever since I can remember. You all know? right. So, all your life, your, been, your siblings I've and been your... Tito. Most people know me by Tito. And what surprised me, uh, we have a corporation with the brothers, and my brother handed me a credit card, American Express. Instead of having <laughs> my real name, Terriano, it had Tito Jackson. I said, Jackie, I can't use this. <laughs> right. I don't have one piece of ID that says Tito Jackson. Oh, see, I, I understand this because nobody in my family has ever called me by my birth name. Like, right. I've always been either Junior or Junebug. Like, really? Yeah. Nobody. Only we call you Bill? Yeah. Oh, okay. O- only only my friends and, and, and people I work with call me by my real name. Everybody else? See, now that I've put this on the internet, y'all are going to mess that up. Damn. Yes, Junebug. I cannot <laughs> wait to call you Junebug. Matter of fact, oh, you're no. no longer Bart Oh, no. You are Junebug. <laughs> so, okay, so Tito was your your nickname. So, always, unless it's time to take out the garbage, then were you like, Terry, I don't Yeah. Didn't pay attention. Then oh. that sort of thing. Yeah. I oh. see. Tito ain't had no chores? I had plenty of choice. Yeah, I was okay. about to say. All right. All right. Yeah. I know. I know you I did. I had plenty of choice. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah. All right. So I, I know you're probably tired of recapitulating the story over and over and over again. Okay, is there is there a question about Gary, Indiana that you've not been asked that we don't know about? Well, maybe. I, I don't know. It depends on what you want to ask. Okay. Well, what, what I'm really curious about... Um, I'm more curious about the creative process uh-huh. of of how things come together, and I know that, and, and without the whatever under the watchful eye of or the the iron hand of Drill Sergeant Joe, whatever. But I know that to get to that level of perfection, you have to put hours and hours and hours and hours of practice in. Exactly. 
So could you give me what a typical itinerary was pre-Motown of you guys prepping for your talent shows? Of course I can. Well, it was more like go to school, come home, put them books over in the corner. The mics are already set up. All five microphones, amps are on standby, and we're doing it, and kids are still walking home from school, and they're stopping by hearing the music, pushing each other out the way to try and take a look or whatever. And we rehearsed maybe three or four hours prior to doing the show that night. We usually go to Chicago, play the Peppermint Lounge or the Hot Shop Around, something like that. Then get home like 2 in the morning, you know, and... Uh, Go to school the next day, wake up at 6, 7 in the morning, go to school. Were you allowed any downtime from when school let out to home? Or was it, like for me, the, the fear was you better be home before the Oprah theme comes on. Which, well, like, oh. I had to be home at 3. At 3, yeah, that, that bell, like when Carlton starts dancing, my reaction is when I hear that whistle, oh, yeah. it just, it, it's just, uh, like, I had to be home at 3.59 Well, my father's thing was uh, when we weren't doing music, he said, don't let the street lights catch you. Yes. If those street lights are on and you're not in the house, you're in trouble. Yikes. Okay. So wait, can I ask a question? How often did you you guys do the the showcase or the talent show thing? Because you still had to do homework. Well, we rehearsed every day. And we do our home break between breaks. Oh, yeah. So what kind of students were you guys? We were great students. Okay. Great students. Yeah. We also uh, traveled with a tutor after we had made it professionally. And uh, they have rules, of course, uh, state laws. Uh, The kids have to work so many hours. Now he has to have so many hours of a break. So we had a a teacher by the name of Rose Fine, and she taught. She was so cool because... uh, she would let me smoke my cigarette right in class. I'm sorry, sir. How old were you, you smoking, smoking your as a teen? In class? I was smoking as a teen. You know, absolutely. were you the rebellious Jackson? Some people say that, but I don't think like so. who's the first to really test the waters to like I'm gonna break curfew. You're not gonna hit me with that belt. <laughs> <laughs> so was the myth true of the whole guitar thing? Because the thing oh, yeah. is, is that oh, yeah. uh, the way that was presented in in the the biopic. You know, you were doing chords and stuff already. Uh-huh. So how long did it take you to, from the first time you eyed that guitar, to learn chords and all those things before the string broke? Oh, it took a little while. It took at least three to four months. You know, I was just playing with it. And I, I used to go, and my Uncle Luther and my father would play a lot of blues, Jimmy Reed, B.B. King, all these guys from old school. And i just sit there and just stare you know, he knew I was interested, and I just stare and stare. And when he would go to work, he'd go to myself and Jermaine and he and Jackie. He would go, "I'm going to work. Don't none of you boys touch my guitar. I'm putting it here in the closet." You know, and me being being a kid, you don't say that. You know, he right. want to touch it even more. Right. So uh, I would take the guitar, I'd play it for hours. My mom would let me play it all day long, and she said, "Honey." Your father's going to be home soon. Put it away. You know, so she was protecting me until I broke that string. Didn't know what to <laughs> she do. She didn't know you, right? <laughs> <laughs> How long did the Falcons last? Your father's I have no unit? idea of that because I was so young at that time, you know. But uh, they were around a little while. 
I was basically uh, just a kid trying to play some music with my uncle and my father. Okay. And they would play blues all day, and they had me doing dun, 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 dun. they get all the lead parts, and they give me maybe a minute at the end of the jam section. Okay, you can play now. You know, and I played whatever I could, you know, mistakes and all, whatever. You know, and that was it. So by the time you guys were formed, then the Falcons weren't necessarily doing that thing? No, they weren't at that time. Okay, I see. I just recently not discovered. I didn't realize there was a whole mess. I knew the the Steel Town recordings, right? Was a, a forty five, but I didn't realize that there were a collection of other songs from that era. But I mean, of course, you know, someone's mm-hmm. going to come up like start right, right. <laughs> cashing in. So half of it was just rehearsals, whatever. But at the time when you guys got your thing together with Steel Town, was that like? an excitement thing like this is jackpot it can't get no better than this oh yeah we thought we had made big time you know still town was a local label out of gary indiana and their their reach wasn't very far i think uh we thought we made some noise in texas and we made some noise in gary and i can't think of anywhere else in america that it was hitting so that was pretty much the success of that first record i'm a big boy now okay and Knowing that you guys played the, uh, I guess you could say the the Chitlin circuit mm-hmm. of the day, what were some of the venues that you, well, that you the major venues? We used to do the Regal Theater in Chicago. and uh, Was that equivalent to the Apollo? Yeah, Chicago. As far as the pressure? Yeah, well, Chicago's version of the Apollo, okay. you know, Regal Theater. We've seen and opened up for Jackie Wilson, Gladys Knight, Bobby Taylor, and the Vancouver's. Okay. We were basically a local band that the pros used to come through Chicago, and we we were the opening act. And uh, every once in a while, we'll go to the Uptown in Philly, and we'll go to the Apollo Theater here in New York. And uh, that was pretty much the big, big dates for us. So I would assume that your dad would do all the driving? We had this other uh, man by the name of Jack Richardson, who was a friend of my father. He would do a lot of the driving because my father would work some time, and Jack Richardson would take us to the performances as my father went to work. I'm just trying to imagine how all the equipment, and there's no such thing as backline and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a Volkswagen bus, Volkswagen so, bus. So right. we would load everything in the bus. And back then, you travel with your own PA system as well as your amps and everything. That's what I'm saying. Like, how did you guys squeeze? We slept on the amps. Oh, wow. We slept so on the sat And sat on the amps. We took all the seats out the car. Oh, oh wow. okay. I, I was trying to figure out the configuration of how did you get the amps and the seats in there. <laughs> I wish you guys could see the look on Laia's face well, right no, now. Well, no, no, we do that all the time. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, there's a 15-passenger van. We no, it. no, no, no. They're driving way further than you guys do in this uncomfortable situation. No, nah, in the beginning, we didn't get our first tour bus till like our second album. So Listen to this, Tito. He comparing 1960s. To <laughs> no, I'm just saying I, I get I never Both thought about ones. taking out the seats. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, it makes sense. You yeah. can sit yeah. on the amps, yeah. hella uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. and it's oh, yeah. pre-seat belts too, right? Kind of middle passage-ish, but yes, you know. pre-seat belts, exactly. Do you remember, as since you were a teenager at this time, right? Y'all are touring, you're a teenager. Yes, I was a young teenager, maybe 12, 13 years old. Do you remember what it was like going to these different cities in this time of... 
It was exciting. You know, I, 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 I remember. You're talking about civil rights era? I'm talking about civil rights era, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember all that. They used to put us in the back of the hotel near the dumpsters. You know, we were little kids making a lot of noise, and they wanted us away from the front desk. Really? So, oh, yeah. Oh, no running in the hallways and those yeah, things. Exactly. And we did it all. So, uh, can you finally put the official stamp on... Who brought you to Motown? I understand yes, that I the... Can. It I, was actually, it was two people I say is responsible for bringing us to Motown. Okay. And that would be Gladys Knight. Okay, because she tells me the story every time. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're no, one of like 12 people now. No, Gladys Knight. Okay. Gladys Knight, big, big instrumental. Uh, and Bobby Taylor of the Vancouver's. Okay. And uh, we basically with Diana Ross, the story with Diana Ross, we were just basically, she presented us to the world. Yeah, marketing. Yes, exactly. And she exactly. had just gone solo at that. She was getting ready to do her first solo record at the time too, right? So that would have been like- I don't know if she had did it or what, getting ready, but uh, they used Diana Ross Presents to Jackson 5. Yeah, Barry was thinking of marketing. Mm-hmm. Two for one. And mind you, uh, uh, Tommy Chung was in Oh, yeah. 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 Tommy Chung was a yeah, guitar yeah. player then. Yeah, Bobby Taylor and Vancouver's. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how long was it till after that um, audition at Motown, or at least the one that we saw that where it was like official? Not long. They got us in the studio pretty much right away. You know, we were in the studio within a month. And uh, but the thing about it, when we had did that audition, uh, we. Didn't think we would be signed because Barry was in the corner, very stern. He was didn't show no expression, and we were like doing our thing and say, "Do he like us?" and this and that. And we had heard he don't want more children on his label. He having a hard time with Stevie Wonder with the social workers. He, he can't record. You already had him in the studio for four hours. I got to take him home. He got work. He got school tomorrow. Right. Say, what I'm gonna do with five kids? I can't handle one. And uh, I guess it was Gladys and Bobby that convinced them that you have to hear these children. Because I always wanted a thing on that tape. Michael asked, "How was that?" or something like. So, and I never knew what the answer was. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. what were you saying, Bill? Speaking of, of five kids from the the Chicago land area, um, go back to pre pre Motown a little bit. Were the five stair steps? Were you guys like in competition with them? I constantly or we were friends, you know. Okay. Our Stealth Steps is a great group. They're a young group, like the Jacksons were back then, and they had a song out by the name of Uchow. Mm-hmm. It was made a lot of noise at that time, and uh, they used to travel. We would travel right behind them or with them or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say um, between the Silvers of Tennessee, especially because they got such an early start. Um, uh, Leon told us they're from Indiana too. Well, he was born in Indiana, in South Bend, where I'm from. That I forgot about. Leon Silvers? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I totally forgot about that. So, I mean... I'll never forget that, man. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Everybody born in Indiana, I remember. (laughs) So, was it... When when it's time to do these shows... um, And I forgot. Even the emotions said that that they were running to you guys often. Oh, yeah. The emotions and... We used to run into emotions, and back in the day, it wasn't Earth, Wind, and Fire. They were called uh, T-Box Simmons. It was a band. He didn't and, tell us that. Phil didn't tell us that. Yeah, they were in a band called T-Box Simmons, and uh, they would play the same place, uh, the Hot Chaparral. And, uh, and, yeah, we came up with those guys as well in emotions. So you're saying that a month after that audition, you guys got the news that 
You got accepted to Motown. Oh yeah, we got that. Matter of fact, we got that pretty much at the audition because okay. uh, he walked over to us after he had, we had finished our audition and we didn't know what he was going to say. He walked over and said, "I'm going to take your first three records, number one." Oh, whew, okay. And we said what? That was unheard of, especially by black artists. You know, three records, number one in the country. Right. You know, all the charts. He did four times. Yeah. Yeah. So he did it four times. When do you officially consider, like, your last day or period in Gary, Indiana? As in Rearview Muir, Never Turning Back, we are moving to... Well, we moved to California uh, back in 1969. Okay. And uh, it was funny because our neighbor... Uh, this young lady by the name of Brenda White, she used to always say, you Jacksons, all of you guys in that little house making all that noise, y'all ain't going nowhere. <laughs> so, you know, our motivation is <laughs> oh, 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 her. Yeah, one of You're talking about in Gary, Indiana. Oh, yeah. okay. I was yeah. like, wait, who lived in Beverly Hills? Right. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm thinking. laughs> Name Brenda. Yeah, yeah Brenda. <laughs> she used to say, in my bad for seeing that. Just keep watching, you'll see. You'll see. Dang, did y'all ever circle back to her? Please tell me. I haven't seen her since. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys know she's have... seen you a few times. No. Well, <laughs> of course. Of course. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson, uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. My observations with you guys is that your family was really the first to reap the benefits of the I have a dream speech. I consider you guys really the first beneficiaries of kind of the accumulated whatever was being fought for for the civil rights movement. You guys were the beginning of that dream. And then people see you guys and they want to do great and so on and so on and so forth. So, but I know that being the first and by being the first really being like the lone black faces in a lot of white spaces and being first how fish out of water was your experience moving to Los Angeles I'm assuming that you guys lived in Beverly Hills first we, or? yeah we lived in Hollywood first on the street called Queens Road and okay. uh, then we moved to Beverly Hills but uh it was really exciting. You know, we've never seen a palm tree or anything like that. So just to land in LAX airport, it was like exciting seeing the lights and the palm trees and the weather so tropical and all these things. It was like paradise to us. Nobody wanted to go back to Gary, Indiana at that time. Cold winters, you know, freezing, walking to school in three and four foot snow. You know, who wants that? But was there ever a feeling like... At least with my experiences, where I know, like, I'm the lone shark in a odd situation. And I don't mean, like, an odd situation, like, everything's, like, redneck down south. But I just mean, like, showing up at, you know, black tie dinners and I'm the only black person here or that, that sort we of were, thing. We were always motivated and anxious and ready to do whatever it took and whatever. But you guys never felt like. No, no, we never had those feelings. Or felt uncomfortable. No, right? no, not really until they put us in the back by the garbage cans. <laughs> oh, Motown period of touring. Oh yeah. Well, y'all were just uh, loud. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we deserved it, right? <laughs> we deserved it. Get rid of this trash. So, did you think at that point the rigorous rehearsals and schedules would slow down somewhat a little bit? They didn't. They increased, matter of fact. But you did know? you think that it would? I thought we made it, and that means you don't have to do too much of that type of thing, you know. But of course, you know, Quest as a musician, that you got to keep it going, baby. You got to rehearse, and Motown rehearsed us very, very, very hard. They went through every little move, every step, everything. Okay, so in a Motown period, what would, now that you're in LA, what is your typical itinerary there? We would go to school. What school did you guys go to? We went to private school. At first, I went to public school, a school called Fairfax High in uh, Los Angeles. And um, that only lasted so long until after the Ed Sullivan show and the hit records, the students chased us away. Right. Wow. We, we moved to Beverly Hills, and I went to another school by the name of Universal High School. And that last, I was in that school two months. Then they figured out we can't go to a public school. So, they so you guys were just that... Too famous to even do. Yeah, that. we had a few hit records out, and the, the kids were like recognizing us, and they would peek in the class and that whole thing, and screaming girls running down the hall and that whole thing. How did that feel? 
I mean, did it feel like a goldfish or like it was? Hey. It was kind of scary because all the all the dudes wanted to whoop your butt. Because you the girls oh, jealousy, you. jealousy, yeah. and that whole thing, you know. So they figured these guys can't go to school here. We got to put them in a private school. How close was for your public school uh, experiences? How close was what we know as LA gang culture in those public schools? Like, did you have to worry about that? Well, I remember. I remember. My brother was dating this young lady by the name of Kathy Bacham. And Dorsey High School is in Gary as well. Mm-hmm. Not Gary, I'm sorry, Los Angeles. Right. And, You're uh, talking about Jackie? Jackie, yeah. Okay. And uh, this other guy from Dorsey really dug this girl. And uh, he came over, brought about four or five guys over to Fairfax, calling themselves going to whoop our butt. Mm-hmm. You know, and they didn't know that it was we're, so from, we're from Gary, Indiana. <laughs> you know, right. we may sing and talk about ABC and girl, I think I love you, but we can whip some But when we have to, because we grew up in a hood, you right. know, and uh, my father had always told us to take care of ourselves because what he would do, he would invite all the kids in the neighborhood over on Saturdays and have boxing matches. Make us box the kids. So the that wasn't, I was wondering how real that scene was. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you, how much should we consider of that story, the, the Jackson story that Amir is referring to, the American dream? How much a of that of, should we consider as truth? A, a lot of it is true. Okay. You know, my okay. father was rough, but he wasn't as rough as they portrayed it to him. They dramatized it. He's a black, quite a bit. He's a black daddy, right? Like, right. you just exactly. got, you got a switch, you got a belt, pick we one. We all know that story. Yeah, yeah. 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 You might not I have know a black it. daddy. No, I have Amir is my black daddy. <laughs> 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 oh. Anyway, man. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say, how often was the. That's the thing I never had because, you know, because of the age gap between me and my siblings. Well, your last name is Love, so that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, I wish. Not a lot now. I never I never had that, like, you know, I'm going to get my brother to mess you. You know, like, that's that's the one thing. You my never mess. going to beat you up. You would never mess with, <laughs> yeah, you would never mess with the youngest person on any block because they could always say, yeah. I'm going to get my cousin and fuck you up. Like, that sort of thing. <laughs> but that put pressure on Tito because he wanted the oldest. Yeah, I was about to say. And so, we always thought you were the oldest anyway. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm uh, You're third in line. Yeah, I'm like two and a half years younger than Jackie. But uh, Jermaine used to always start fights <laughs> in elementary school in Gary and... We he would start it. He would start it, then leave me there to fight his battle. Oh. Then run home and say, Mother Tito fighting. Tito fighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did that quite a few times. So, socially, how do you guys pair off as far as peers? Like, who is your. I, your yeah, I know that all of you are close. Yada, yada, yada. Whatever. But, like, who's your road dog? Yeah. Who who are who are the road dog groups in the Jackson family? Well, me, Jermaine and I hung hung out together. Um, Marlon and Michael, of course, hung together, and Jackie just mingled in with all of us. He was like big brother, telling us what to do. It's time to rehearse. <laughs> no, you can't do that. We got to rehearse. You know, he was, so he's the alpha. Yeah, yeah, he was father figure. Yeah, he was older than everyone. The responsible yes. one. Yes. Okay, I see. Who was the snitch in the family? The tattletale. Jermaine. Oh, well, okay. Jermaine tell everything. <laughs> Middle brother. He, he, tells, like... he tells so much he tell on himself. He don't even. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how it works out with the title telling the family. Actually, so. you know what? You're you're right about that. You're right about that. There's, um, uh, 
Harry from Motown once played me a tape of uh, there's an EPK, well not an EPK, but kind of an audio EPK of just like you know rapping with the Jackson Five, whatever, where you guys are just talking for a half hour about mm-hmm. your hobbies and all that stuff. But Jermaine, all of his all of his portions were about like kind of provoking the brothers like <laughs> Michael remember that time when you got in trouble for da 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 and Tito remember that time you got in trouble I was like yo like why is he snitching <laughs> what the hell um what I I'm also very curious about uh you and your brother Jermaine's craft as um as guitarists and bass players now I know that Motown had a strict system, which, of course, you longed to get away from once you went to Epic. But I will say that based on the evidence of a lot of uh, live tapes that I've heard of the concerts, and uh, uh, especially with going to Indiana, uh, the, the special. Going back to Indiana. Going back to Indiana, that... Yeah, you two were at the top of your game as far as like covering, like really in 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 fine form, what the Funk Brothers were doing on record and exactly. all those things. Yeah, because uh, back in the Jackson Five early days of doing concert tours, uh, the our band consists consists of myself and Jermaine and Ronnie Ransifer on organ and Johnny, Johnny Jackson on drums, right. and that was the band. So how often were you, who was the MD of that particular, of just band rehearsals? Actually, I was. Okay. You know, I was pretty much. How were the early shows crafted? Not the adult period of the Jacksons, but like the early shows. Well, we, you talking prior to Motown? Not prior to Motown. Like once you guys were doing Motown. Because one, one thing that I think that our audience doesn't understand, like when you're on your first two records... Sometimes you have to do cover songs. We did covers. And yes, we the did. songs of the day. So we did covers. A lot of and we did a lot of the album album songs we had, but a lot of those songs were covers as well. So uh, basically, that's what we did. We covered Temptations or whether it was uh, Four Tops or whoever. Yeah, we did a lot of covers then. Who were you? Well, I'm curious about your record collection. Like by the by the time that you moved to LA, I'm certain that. Oh yeah, you sort of accumulated Isley Brothers and the Miracles, of course, all the Motown Temps and all that kind of stuff. OJ's, we followed. Who's your go-to? Like your favorite? Who were your Jacksons? Like who was your favorite? Jacksons go-to group was the Temptations. Really, as far as a group, yes, Temptations. We loved and Sly. Okay, so were you guys at all thrown off? Being as though you were able to see in real time, were you kind of thrown off by the Norman Whitfield? period of of that group like to go from what they were the smooth presentation of what i assume that is the blueprint of what you guys were to suddenly they're hippie let's keep up with sly stone period yeah i think we were 17 minute intros and yeah we were basically just trying to follow style you know, mm-hmm. uh, the fly, sly and the family stone is very musical you know they're a little different type of setup than a temptation type of group they're more musical so and we enjoyed that you know like songs like thank you and all this stuff you know sly was the man you know we love billy preston as well were you able to go to a concert like how often would you see 
other shows that weren't your not, like not any time often. off. Or, not that often, unless you were on the show. We, with yeah, them. We, or we run across them somewhere somehow. Yeah. Was there any act that, not even feeling like mm, they might be a threat, but like that's the level we need to get to? Like who? stair steps. Five stair steps was one of those groups that we used to look at and say, "That's what we have to be like." You know, or that was that rival. You know how you have really? a rival group or whatever. Oh yeah. What was it? Because I've only seen like maybe one or two performances of theirs. Uh-huh. Like, what was it about their presentation that? Well, I think we loved the way they dressed, the way they carried themselves, and they were pro- professionals. You know, uh, we were trying to get to that stage in our game. You know, so uh, they had it already. They would come over to the Apollo Theater and just tear it up. Really? The, the young ladies would scream and holler and chase them off stage, and that's what we want. How how frightening was the Apollo experience? Even though, I mean, I'm talking about past amateur hour. Once you guys were even established, like, was there still fear fear of like we still better rock it or else? Yeah, yeah. We never really uh, concentrated on the, uh, uh, like trying to go past what we thought we could have been. We just did what we can do, did, did our best at what we could do, and uh, that usually turned out to be pretty cool. Okay. So uh, that's where that was. Um, I know that in the vaults of Motown, there are hundreds, like Tupac-level, Prince-level, a volume of finished recorded songs, songs that are fully mixed and everything, mm-hmm. um, and not you know the final nine or ten songs that make a particular Jackson album like i think at last count i saw at least somewhere like 200 plus songs so what what is the process of how songs were divided or like how did you guys make decisions well we didn't make that those type of decisions you know they just told you we would come home from school right in the studio every day if we didn't have a concert or on on the road we would go straight to the studio and do our homework in the studio, get home about 10 o'clock at night. And that was it. We used to do a song a day, you know, background and leave vocals. And if we had any cleanup, we'd do it on the weekends. So, I mean, whose decision was it to, like, was it everything like, okay, so here's some 10 songs and what do you guys, what do you guys dig? And Well, I think Motown pretty much picked the songs that we were recorded. Okay. And uh, with Hal Davis and the corporation, Freddie Parent and all those guys, you know, they already had it laid out for us. They had uh, done the keys and all those type of things, and they cut the tracks and have so, us to come in later and do the vocals on them. So the various producers, uh, James Carmichael, Hal David, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Mazel brothers for a second? Yeah, Deke Richards, right. Franz Mazel. Who did you... Who did you or the brothers particularly favor as a producer? Well, we we loved uh, working with uh, Hal Davis because he was funny. He was, okay. you know, he we would joke a lot in the, in the studio, and, and he was so serious about it. And we little kids just playing on the mic and not serious. And he would push record, waiting to hear. We just start laughing and. and <laughs> 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 Come on, guys! Come on, you do. you know he was really, really yeah, a lot of fun. But we also enjoyed the corporation, which was Deke Richards, Fun, Mizell, and Freddie Parent and Barry Gordy. 
they called themselves the corporation. And they were a lot of fun. They were a lot of fun as well. They were young men just finishing college with their musical uh, scholarships, and they were great writers. So how long were you guys given a particular song to learn and absorb? We learned it on the spot. Learned it in the studio. Yeah. Okay, so like, uh, all right, so Home Along and Dance, which songs like 12 minutes, and yeah. all of you have designated parts. Mm-hmm. So... Would they take you one by one, or is it just... Well, certain parts were taken one by one. Some parts were taken as a group. And uh, like I say, we learned that song right on the spot. You know, uh, we'd go in the studio and uh, in the control room, sit with the producer, and he'd go through it, this line, this is your line, Jermaine, this is your line, Michael, this is your line, brothers, you're this, you know, and that whole thing. So Wait, can you answer a question for me? Sure. I always wanted to know this. Okay. Be honest. When the when you guys were recording Rhythm Child, mm-hmm. was there a feeling in the air like, okay, it's gonna be a bigger this gonna be bigger than Dancing Machine? Because basically it's the same narrative and the same DNA as Dancing Machine. So I, in my mind, I felt like, oh, you guys really felt like she's a rhythm child, it's gonna be like the new dancing machine in nineteen seventy four. Well, Dancing Machine is on its own, you know, that song is so magical. I, I love the song, and uh, I didn't think that. So I was just doing what they told us to do. Okay. I've always wanted to know who brought in I'll Bet You for the ABC album. Baby, I bet you. Uh, uh, I can't remember that. I think that may have been... Uh, uh, I can't remember. I'm sorry. Well, I think Barry was hands-on at least for the ABC record, as far as navigating it. Right? Yeah, Barry, Barry would... Uh, let the producers work with us, and they would send a copy of the track or whatever we had did that day to him. He would study it and give them pointer notes, and they try. Did you guys know George Clinton at all, or was it just no, like no here no, uh, no. a random funkadelic song for you guys to? No, we didn't know. Uh, George Clinton wrote "I'll Bet You." Uh, actually, it's a funkadelic song too. That, mm-hmm. See, thank you. You knew what I was thinking. Did you? <laughs> all right, so you, I mean, you were prominent. C- contrary to uh, opinion, all the brothers had parts on records, oh. including Marlon. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize until maybe like maybe 10 years ago that that's him riffing on Mama Got Brand New Thing, Don't Say No. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I always saw it was Jermaine riffing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I realized it once I listened closer. But um, was, it, was it your desire? Being so you're the only, well, minus Marlon, you were the only one that didn't do any solo projects. Yeah. I'm, um, well, you know, they give me those parts that nobody wanted. You know, the low part. You know, right. I, I've always had the low voice in the family. And so, like I said. We, <laughs> you said nobody wanted, like it's chitlins. Like. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, Temptations was our idolized group that we idolized. Yeah, you and Melvin Franklin. And I, right. Exactly. Right. So they looked at me like Melvin Franklin, and that's where you stay now, you low voice. You okay. know, so I never got that opportunity to sing. Like you, you know? are now. But uh, I didn't only sing low parts. I would also double on other notes in the background. Then they'd put me in and do a little bass bottom part or whatever. Okay. And sometimes I'll just make up a part just so I can be on the record too. Okay, okay. So you did get to do that because I was sitting here wondering, like, when did you guys get to touch the records? Because you said for the longest time, y'all just go in, you know your parts. Uh At what point were you able to have a voice and say, "Mm, 
what if we did this? How are you feeling watching your label mates, uh, Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder, especially go through such a creative uh, kind of, of blossoming? Evolution. Yeah, blossoming yeah. that you guys weren't able right. to have. Like, how did how did you feel in observing, like, when you're getting your copy of Inner Visions and uh, fulfilling this first finale, it's like, eh, this is what we want to do. Well, you know, we always uh, idolize people like Stevie, you know, and wanted to do stuff like him. And we actually asked to be produced by him. Well, you did Buttercup. Yeah, exactly. We did Buttercup. And, uh, and you're supposed to keep your love for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that was there's a, there's an original. Uh, it's on. Let's get serious. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know Buttercup was released. Yeah, about yeah, ten finally. years ago now. <laughs> yeah, finally. I mean, they, yeah, once. Which I have a follow up question in regards. To that. Right, when they when the, uh, Motown was putting that out, I actually got invited over to their offices to um, hear a lot of the tracks that they were going through. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and one of the tracks that they played us um, was I can't, I think the title was something like Tito's theme. It was it was they was introduced to us as it was going to be a, a Tito solo track. I seen that reel, but I never heard it. Yeah, actually, I got to hear it. Okay, I, I got to hear. It. I can't remember what it sounds like, but I do remember hearing it. So, what what do you remember about that? I don't remember anything. About <laughs> <laughs> Tito's it, thing. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. It don't even that. sound so maybe familiar. It was intended for him. Maybe that was the last song uh, that I recorded before we left. So, so can we, you gonna go make my question make well, sense now? Well, wait, I, I okay. want to. Well, I'm getting there. I'm getting okay. to the bridge. Now, my personal favorite period of the Jacksons is probably the period that all of you kind of like uh, shrug at, which is eh, 74 Vegas variety show period mm-hmm. pre-Destiny. So let's just say like eh, Vegas to going places. Mm-hmm. What were you personally feeling at that time as far as where the brothers were concerned? I mean, your brother Michael expressed that he felt like we were old hat and he didn't enjoy doing the variety show and all those things. Well, you but know, and I'm pretty sure you heard it too be, because when you're in the business, you have what we call haters. Mm-hmm. And uh, people used after, uh, I think we had our first four number ones and then we started having songs that didn't make it to number one. And people used to come up and say, you guys are finished. You know, you're not going to. To no you guys? Oh yeah, and that gave us motivation, of course. Right. And um, we've always wanted to write music and uh, produce some of our own stuff, and that was our reason for moving on to Columbia Records at that time, Epic, mm-hmm. because they gave us that opportunity uh, to have a song or two on our our albums. Right. You know, like the Jacksons that was. Uh, Produced by Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, yep. you know, and they they worked with us with the songs we had, you know, they inputted their their involvement and made it happen. So that was a very exciting moment for the brothers to know that they were capable of writing songs that people would love and like and buy. So you yourself, you didn't enjoy doing the variety show. Or it didn't bother me at all. You know, I do. I was one of the members that whatever it is, I'm going to be there. Whether we're playing in a in a closet or playing in the arena, I'm going to be there. So is that because you just loved it so much? Well, I just wanted to be a team player. Okay. Yeah. And also, I mean, like, I think 
It would be like today if someone got a reality show. Mm. Then it's like, all right, we got to get a reality show. So I'm certain for you guys, it was like, wait, the Osmonds have a variety show, and Shields and Yarnell has a variety show, and there was a point where Glass Night and the Pips had a variety show. So Brady Bunch had a variety show. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I know you're trying to be funny, but no, I, that's what I was. There's watching. a dope ass drum break <laughs> on Mr. Drum. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, speaking of the variety, or not the variety, show, but the the Vegas. What was it like? You know, the Vegas residency started like two months after you guys got back from Senegal. So, what was what was it like? The, you know, the the difference. Where you guys get your history from? That's well, true. That's we are true. Nerds. I mean, you we're guys nerds. know, you guys know, about know more about me than <laughs> we were following you around the whole time. I didn't forgot everything. <laughs> you know, uh, it's been a long road, but uh, we uh, was that the first time you guys been to Africa? Or yes, it was. We went to Senegal. I okay, hear yes. all about yeah. it. What was it like? It was very exciting uh, getting off the plane, and that's where Michael got that "Mama Say Mama Saba Mamakusa" from. Okay, and that's what they were chanting to us when we first went to Africa. They were singing, playing the drums, "Mama Say Mama Saba Mamakusa," "Mama Say Mama Saba Mamakusa." Wow, you know what's the, it mean, Tito? I don't know. Okay, Mama said, "Take out that garbage." <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny. well, also. <laughs> Are there any memories whatsoever about, because um, there's a, a infamous photo with you guys hanging with the Marleys in Jamaica. Uh-huh. Is there any memories of, of that period? Did yeah. you guys know that Bob Marley was royalty? Or was it just like, oh, a weird guy with hair wants to hang with us? Well, it smells he, funny. He, right. He, he and was, smells funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had did this show in Jamaica with the Wellers and... Um, Bob Marley was there, of course, and the next day he invited us over to hang out. And uh, we go to Bob Marley's compound, and the guy's hanging out in the trees, smoking the dubs and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And it was really exciting. And he took us through the whole compound, showed us where he worked, and wrote this song, and where he recorded, and what have you. And uh, I just remember that very, very much. It was a great period. And Back then, Bob Marley was popular, but he's not. He wasn't as popular. Mythical figure, yeah. As he was, last right. today, you okay. know, uh, he's everywhere now. So, can I just ask real quick? Because you're hanging out with the Marleys, but from what we know, you guys are were a very religious family, and you know, of course, uh-huh. the legend of your father being strict. How did you navigate, or how did did he ever say any give you disclaimers before y'all did this or that? Or he's probably there with them. I he know was he was, there, yeah. but but he did he just say you better not do this. You better, you know. Oh yeah, well we you knew know we knew we grew he's up. A black daddy. We knew we knew what. <laughs> you Knew not, not to, to act do. up. So, so, so do I guess that you, the Jacksons, never got a taste of the Bob Marley ganja? No, we didn't. Just ask if they smoke weed. <laughs> I, well, that was the second question. I want to know if they no. sipped the Bob Marley, and then y'all just never got a taste of the. No, no, I never did. No, dude, okay. I just started smoking okay. weed, and I'm like 49. We were, and, and yeah, we I got babies. a bong on me right now. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my bag. So wait, before I, before I jump to Sony, before I jump to Epic, um. By this point, you're the Jackson 5, end quote. Um, and I know that you were the first to get married and have kids or whatnot. So I'm assuming that you were domesticated. But, <laughs> well, I mean. Take out the trash. Wow. <laughs> no, no, no. I just meant, but the thing is, is that you're the Jackson 5. Right. So. And there's a lot being thrown at you. What was, what was. Yeah. 
How is it hanging in Hollywood? Like, I know you have a massive car or had a, I've seen like photos of you, TK Carden and everything. Like, antique cars were your thing? Yes, still well, is. Well, first of all, yeah, how many, I hate asking black questions. That's the one that I, ne- <laughs> I never want to do. Like, so how many mansions do you have and how many cars do you have? It's not really a black but question. I feel like you're the original Jay Leno. Like, what was it about mm. antique cars? And because anytime I've seen photos of you, it's like you're in a garage with an antique car. So, like, I just always love com- uh, mechanics, you know, even when I was a young kid, you know, I built my own bicycle out of the junkyard and then did a go kart and then got into cars. I, I love them, especially the older stuff, like in the 20s mm. and that. So, uh, it's always been a love of mine. And, uh, how easy was it to get access to that back then? I'm just saying now, like, if I buy a pair of Jordans, like, my business manager's like, hey, man, and I'm kind of cool now, but still it's like, hey, man. But Jordan. how many cars were you for Jordans? <laughs> <laughs> just for sneakers. But how many cars did you collect back then? Um, I had about maybe a dozen, you Ooh. know. But Where did you store them? I have a warehouse that I put them in. Right right now, I have about 20 cars. Can I have a car, Mr. Tito? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how many do you let your kids drive? Well, your grown ch- yeah, they're, children. They're, they're, they, they don't they drive any. They got their own okay. money. They I'm do, sure. but they don't have those cars. No, they don't have They cars. can buy their yeah. own. Yeah. Nah, he got some rare stuff yeah, going I got, on. Yeah, I got, I got, got a few they rare got, ones. They got some potion checks, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But is it like... Buy Are they cars car. just to collect? And I mean, there are things I collect that I, mean, I would never utilize. I got a pair of Jordans I would never wear because they'll explode. But I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's the thing you got to know. Jordans will explode <laughs> after 30 years. I get a pleasure. I found out the hard way. So I get a pleasure out of uh, buying a car. I'll find a car for seven hundred dollars. Uh, oh, and then you'll hook it up. I'll redo it. Take every nut and bolt out of it and have it powder blasted. And you really are the original Jay Leno. And this is you yourself. Like, are you one of those people that can yeah, put together yeah. that car kit yeah. that I see men? I got to get all of get my <laughs> the hands. carburetor. My hands have probably got grease under the fingernails now from yeah, from some car I worked at. Mm. So even to this day, like working on antique cars, oh, it's like yeah. your your yeah. hobby. Yeah, and I've been uh, building lately. I've been building a lot of the surfer type '60s Volkswagen buses. Yeah, yeah, I love those things. Wow. Yeah, I got about that's nine. Oh, but you can soup one up. That's you like... can put the seats in them. <laughs> put the seats back in. Yeah, put the seats back in. That's right. Well, I'm just saying. You know, January 20th is my birthday, so <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. Um, he just said he don't get none away. Yeah. So, well, oh, never mind. Okay, I'll think of something. Okay, so going to Philadelphia. Um, by the way, uh, my elementary school was next to Philly International and Broad Street. So once once in a blue moon in second or third grade, I'd see you guys like Whoa. going in, going out. That's or... got to be freaky as a kid to see the Jacksons going. <laughs> well, I've seen, I've seen, actually what's weird is that you guys would even visit to say hi even after the fact. Like I think once before a Destiny concert, mm-hmm. you guys had stopped by 313 Broad Street. And I only knew because like every human being in my school like was out in the streets chasing you guys that's how we know the jacksons are in proximity um but in kind of the slow process that eventually led to the destiny album leaving 
uh, Philadelphia. Um, first of all, how how long were you guys physically in Philadelphia? Were you only there for like studio time, or did you like we were only live there. there? No, we were only there for studio time, and the week it called in, and we'd do an album in two weeks and do everything and move on. Okay, yeah. so you would sleep there for two weeks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So how long did it take for you guys to to convince uh, Ron Wisner and 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 Freddie I guess Demand? Yeah, Freddie Demand and Walter Yetnikoff to like, okay, we got to do this on our own. Like, how long did it? Well, we we went to Epic Records saying that we want to write some music and produce our some of our songs. And uh, what had happened, we had a couple of songs on the earlier albums, the Coin Place album and the Jacksons mm-hmm. album, and they did very well. And uh, they gave us the green light to do our next album. And which was Destiny, and uh, we wrote all the songs. And so, when you success. guys were doing the process, what was the division of labor for that album? Because now you guys have to answer to yourself. I so, think, is it like, did you have a family meeting? And well, I think we already had some songs. Uh, maybe Jackie had a song or two. I know I had a couple of songs, and Michael had some stuff where we get together and write the lyrics and help each other out on the song and, and uh, write about situations, whether it was uh, my mother and her politeness or whatever. And that's pretty much how it came out. Ah. Wait, 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 wait. I caught that. I caught that. I caught that. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. wait, wait. See, all right, all right, all right. All right. What? All right. Without getting personal pan pizza. <laughs> okay. I often felt I always wanted to know what did you guys feel about the lyrics of Destiny? Because I personally felt that was kind of Michael's passive-aggressive way of saying, guys, I want to do stuff on my own, and I don't know how to tell you guys. Because to to look at the lyrical content, I felt that that was his... Of all of of all the I want to break free themes that he's ever had in his career, that that was the most explicit, direct, but kind of underhanded. I mean, Destiny goes there. Things I do for you goes there. Push me away goes there. Even though it's disguised as a love song, but especially that's what you get. That's what you get for being polite. Which I mean, was there ever a moment where you guys were just chilling one day and it's like, listen. Hey, wait a minute. Like, was it? <laughs> but you said that was about your mom's? Yes, yes. Wow. Uh, uh, Yikes. Uh, and and uh, uh, things I do for you. Yes, yes, yes. We had that. I'm going to go read those lyrics. Please really reveal. <laughs> I mean, as much as I you can reveal. That's what about... I was doing as y'all was talking. <laughs> okay, well, 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 well. since you kind of opened that rabbit hole, since you kind of opened that rabbit hole, and we're black, can I assume that since you, I don't know any successful black person that doesn't go through survivor's guilt. Do you understand what survivor's guilt is? It's as far as if someone's successful, then there's kind of the unspoken obligatory need to take people with you. Hmm. And I know that there's friends and family and cousin Ray Ray and the cat you went to school with and let me hold a little something and our phone bill's cutting off, our phone's getting cut off next week and da 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 da. 
like how are you able to matrix dodge or avoid you know let me hold something real quick like yo man can can you help or like am i assuming that if these songs are factual in terms of people using and that sort of thing how are you able to avoid or how easy are you with saying the word no you know how easy how easy in 1978 how easy is it to say the word no like again like hey look, we're down on luck da 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 has school tuition next week yo can y'all help out da 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 like i just i know no successful black person that manages to avoid and you're the jacksons which in everyone's mind in america is like family royalty so how hard is it to avoid hanger-ons or people that ask 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 take 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 that still happens today you know um you that's comes with the territory as you know you're going to meet people that's hanging with you just to meet uh, another brother i don't mean strangers though I'm talking family, about, uh, people, people that you know, that's, that's what I'm distant about. cousins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know y'all got a large. So they ass haven't family. gotten the clue yet. Y'all been doing this for fifty years, and the same people still. Y'all still the, no, they still the Jacksons. No, we, yeah, well, no, I'm <laughs> saying the same people are still asking. That's what I'm saying. No, you meet new people that still ask, but uh, yeah, you. Uh, Can I have a car? Shut <laughs> <laughs> <that> up, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, I, I try to avoid gotcha journalism or whatever, but I know that it has to be awkward being a powerful family that, you know, you guys have a hard time just managing and navigating your own thing mm-hmm. without the eye roll of, ah, oh, man, this is like, so is it that you change your phone numbers a lot? Is we it, did that too. Or you're just on tour and, oh, we're, you know. We did that too. Well, they didn't too. have cell phones back then, so you're lucky. But uh, <laughs> we had a lot of protection from uh, security and those type of things. People look after us, especially the people of Motown. You know, even uh, when we would go on the road or whatever, and if the other, other Motown people around, they would be like our parents, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would give us advice, don't touch drugs, don't do this, do that. So we were schooled by the Motown staff and the, and the artists. Is it easy to still go to family reunions or your high school or hang with friends? Like, are you still friends with people you were friends with four oh, yeah. years ago? And that I'm sort friends of with friends that I had from Gary, Indiana. Oh, still? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. That's oh, a yeah. blessing. Uh-huh. That's a miracle. Yeah. That's Tito. Is everybody friends with people from Gary? Because I feel like we expect this from Tito for some reason. We don't know you, but we just feel like you still, I don't know. Just a, yeah, well, you know. I have my old buddies around. Yeah, see, I feel like but it's a Tito. I lost a lot of people in my life, a bunch of people. I just lost one of my high school friends a couple of weeks ago. We getting on. Sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. 
I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Another important element of your development as an entertainer is the live show presentation. B. Jackson's live show presentation. So... In your in your mind, with theatrics now entering the the realm, like Earth, Wind, and Fire, with their theatrics and levitating and uh, Isley Brothers and Smoke Machines and Parliament Funkadelic, there was their the theatrics. Yeah, were you seeing shows then, and was it like, yo, you gotta see blah blah blah? Like what yeah, it concerts? Was a, yeah, it was a period when, like you said, you know, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Was, they always had the great show and some type of magic illusions or whatever, and uh, we felt that's where it's going. We got to do something too similar, you know, to keep it, the concerts exciting, to make people want to come see you. And that's what it was like back then. You know, we're playing arenas or holding 20,000 people. You know, how you going to get all these people uh, in this arena? And you had to have a show that offered more than just the music. It had to be eye candy as well. So so what was that initial pitch like? Like, okay, we're, go- we're all going to get in this box, and then it's going to be, like, pitch dark, and then it's going to explode, <laughs> and then we're going to come out with new outfits, like... You have people in the business that have these creative uh, ideas that come up with it, props and things of that nature. Whatever you can imagine, they'll try to make it happen. But this was new at the time. So, it's a, I mean, now it's nothing to you know for you to say, all right, Kanye West, we're going to levitate you on a stage throughout the stadium. But back then, you guys were definitely, like I thought my cousins were lying. They're like, yeah, man, they got in a box and exploded. And I thought, oh, you just lying, Marky. Like, I, I didn't believe it until I saw my own Jackson show. I was like, oh, they really are exploding. So even at even in the the initial days of, of, of those tours, like, there wasn't a fear like, hey, man, like, 
this too much, like with the explosions and the, all that stuff. No, no, it was exciting. You know, the only thing that was uh, detrimental was uh, the commercial we did, the Pepsi commercial. Oh yeah, I would. Um, Have you seen that final tape? I finally no. saw like two. So it's on. It came online like two years ago. I didn't really. Have you seen it? Do you know what's crazy in twenty in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty? Whenever they listen to this, it's it's people out there. There's a whole generation who do not know what you're talking about. Okay, so there was a Pepsi commercial shot in which um, said explosions that I was speaking of, uh, sparks went into Michael's hair. And then, was it you that put your jacket on top of his head? No, he he called out my name. I was on the other side of the stage. He called out my name for help, but I was too far away. I think it was one of the prop men who uh, thought that quickly. Like, two or three years ago, they finally put the actual Thanks. with his hair on fire and I was I didn't realize it was that serious like it was I'm like did y'all tear up I mean, it was five seven, bro- seven like, seconds seven seconds of that and it would have been a whole new story y'all like what was well of course obviously what was the feeling of that like it was it hurt us very much you know we knew he was hurting and he was uh had these serious burns to his scalp and that whole thing. And from that point, I felt that was the beginning of a lot of problems for him. Right. Yeah, he, he needed, he stayed in pain a long time. And just never told us or... Yeah. But wow. you guys knew that he was... Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Tito, yes. I'm circling back on that's what you get. That's these lyrics. You, I'm uh-huh. sorry, y'all. I, um... <laughs> I just want to, Mama Catherine, what, does she have bigger things, what, what does she want, I know she had a lot, of, she had nine children, mm-hmm. but was there more that she had wanted in her life, like, what did you think she was, kind? Of, it feels like you was missing out on, or getting, you know. Well, you know, I may have twisted that, that song, Things I Do For You Is My Mom. Okay. That's okay. what you get for light. Okay. That's Phew. Johnny Jackson. Woo, thank God. That okay. Was, that's Johnny Jackson. Okay. The, okay. the drummer. The drummer. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Oh, okay, that's better. Thank you. Okay, come on, man. Why are you chopping these gems and then <laughs> being all ambiguous? <laughs> now I gotta go home and figure this Rubik's cube out. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, wow. So, with with the victory tour mm-hmm. leading up to it, mm-hmm. and how mammoth it was. What were, I mean, you know, again, one person's heaven could be another person's hell. But to be on the inside of what was then the biggest grand tour of all time, like, what are your memories of the Victory Tour? Was it sort of like, hey, it's fun, or was it like, it's getting to be too much, or? No, it was never too much because... uh being a black band and probably the first black band to do those type of venues, it was a pleasure to to represent and uh, do those. We would go into a city like uh, New York or wherever, and we'd do uh, three shows at the stadium and uh, sell them out, and that was never heard of for black bands to do that, you know. So we felt we were, you know, making a uh, name for ourselves creating history, making landmark. 
I'm about to say, I got to ask about We Can Change the World. Yes. Very, uh, very, okay, speaking of Bob Marley, I always felt that that was your kind of world music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I love reggae. Right. Even on my Tito Times album, I have a reggae song that I just adore. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to say, was that your inspiration to sort of do like a world music? Yes, yes, yes. It's the songs about changing the world. You got a lot of different styles in you because I was listening to one song and I was like, you got the country in you. Yeah, I do country stuff too. You know, we started out singing. Yeah, I was like, see, cotton fields. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When I heard that, I was like, yo, what do they know about that? But yeah. You know, but my music is blues. I love blues. Who do you consider like, God, especially to be around in Chicago at those times, were you able to see these legends? no. Really? No. 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 So you guys never played blues clubs and, and we played blues clubs but Freddie we and we, Albert and No, I never saw Albert King or any of those guys play. I would hear them on record, uh, Albert Collins, Albert King, Jimmy Reed and BB King or such. Who's your favorite blues guitarist player? As uh, far as tone and and BB King and Albert Collins. Really? Love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's I have an cool. article here from a uh, Right on Magazine, October 1971. You also mentioned Jimi Hendrix was one of your favorites. Yeah, Jimi. Really? What were your thoughts on Ernie Isley as far as the direction that the Isleys took? Oh, he's he's dope. Ernie's dope on the guitar. Yeah, I love his tone. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I know that the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree and that your sons would be remiss. Not to mention your sons also... uh, have a, a you know a successful singing career as well. Um, were you a little skeptical in knowing what you know, what the business is? Were you skeptical in sort of uh, encouraging them to? Well, like you said, knowing the show business and the ups and downs of the business, I want. They were very good athletes. They played a lot of baseball. My uh, middle son was ranked number five in the state for baseball pitching and mm-hmm. he was Barry Bond was very looking at him and wanted him to go to the Giants training camp and train with them and at the time he was uh, recording his first album with the brothers his brothers and uh, they, they they hung up the gloves and wanted to pursue, pursue uh, songs really and I felt I used to tell him I say hey you can do them both you know when the baseball season ain't happening Get under the microphone. You can do both things. Was this TJ or Terrell? Terrell. Oh, Terrell, I'm sorry. Yeah, but Terrell. TJ was just as, as as brilliant as an athlete as well. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. So they wanted to pursue sports they for want, a second? Well, they, they didn't exercise that. They wanted to be entertainers because of me and their uncles, of course. How hard is it to keep them grounded and humble when they're – family are superheroes mm-hmm. they're pretty easy you know when did they realize like oh shit like okay this isn't normal <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question yeah. i don't i don't have the answer for you but uh, they always loved the business and wanted to be a part of it 
you know, like uh, they had uh, gone to a Jackson concert when they were super young, and they looking at the outfits, picking off the rhyme songs, and <laughs> excited, and then come home and grab brooms and mops and put on the record. And, and be the Jacksons. And, yeah, and I, I, I take the record. <laughs> yeah, nah. Y'all yeah. trying to be like us? <laughs> <laughs> don't touch my guitar. Yeah. Did they have a don't touch my guitar moment? No, 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 they didn't have <laughs> Oh, you told your kids I just told whatever. Them, I told them, if you're going to do this, you're going to do this. We're not faking it and all that. We're really playing the instruments and really singing. I say, if you really want to do it, I'll let you use my instruments. You can go in the studio and mess around, get familiar with things. And they did. Then they showed interest. I got them some lessons. and They learned a few things here and there. And I started putting them under the microphone in the studio. Are there any second-generation Jacksons that are just like doctor, lawyer? Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have accountants and stuff. Oh, Marlon kids are accountants and lawyers and stuff like that. He don't want his kids in show business. So. I mean, That's even more important. Yeah, yeah. like let's have some behind the camera Somebody got to count the money that you can trust. Yeah. <laughs> like, I see that. Okay. So for... You're, what? Why did it take you so long to finally like really develop? Well, I don't think it took you that long because long after the the group had left Epic, mm-hmm. I've seen you a few times. Like uh, you've had your blues review mm-hmm. at various clubs. Mm-hmm. I've seen it a few times. So during that period, uh, late nineties, mid nineties, whatever. Like, what made you decide to? like sort of scratch that blues itch that you had? Well, it's still there. You know, it never goes away. It's part of me, you know, but uh, most of my fans aren't blues. Mm-hmm. So I figured if I'm going to... So they still come to the show, like, oh, yeah. waiting for you to shovel the funk and... <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that whole thing. Abs- abs- absolutely. And I just figured I'd need to do something to satisfy their ears. Mm-hmm. You know, so I decided my first album is going to be for them. You know, and I just uh, pretty much finished a blues album that I'm not ready to release because I'm going to do a Tito Time 2. Nice. And maybe third album be blues record. I just did a recording with George Benson, and um, we Ooh. did we re, we redid Rock Me Baby. Whoa. Uh-huh. George McCrae's. Sorry. Oh wait, George. Rock Me Baby all my night long. The yeah. BB King. Exactly. Oh, whew. okay. Yeah. Was, so, well, there's uh, a bunch of Rock Me Babies. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and uh, we have uh, BB's daughter on the record as well. Yes. Does she play or is she? She's a singer. She sounds yeah. fabulous too. Do you ever just go out and surprise people? Just go to like a jam session? I mean, you just. I haven't done that too much in my life. I've done it before, but not okay. too much. No. We got to get Tito in some jam sessions. Yeah. yeah. We we welcome that, you know. Well, if the roots do some jam sessions, exactly. <laughs> That's my point. Were you were you uh, surprised at the 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 reception of Tito Time and not surprised at the positive response? But you know, I mean, it's always a risk out there to. I've always been very quiet, like I said, and uh, never spoke out. Mm-hmm. Never never let my. Uh, you know, pants down or whatever you, however you want to put it, and uh, hair. Oh, but pants is good too, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, it's hair. It's oh, hair, but I take okay. the pants. Well, I got there's hair when I let my pants down too. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, um, 
I think the fans accepted it very well, so I thank them for that. How often, how do you guys divide your time now uh, with touring and doing like festivals all over the world and downtime? Well, people don't understand is that people always say to me, you know, uh, this was the last time you seen your brother. I say, well, it's been about two weeks, three weeks. Two weeks, three weeks. I'm saying, yeah. Are you tired of people asking, like, when you're alone, like, where's the, you know, where's, like, you're attached at the hip? They want you to be. Exactly. That's the thing I hate the most. They still want us to be the Jackson 5, you know? But then you've been with them all your life, and two, three weeks is great. And if I see my brothers, you know, I might see them every day for a month on the road, you know? When I'm not on the road, I want to get away and enjoy my life a little bit personally. Well, I see how the schedule is now, Um, and you guys are, you know, when it's festival time for Europe and mm-hmm. all those other countries, I mean, you guys are pretty much together. So I saw you guys when you first started touring, uh, uh, like, what was it 2010, mm-hmm, 2011? Mm-hmm. Um, and compared to what it is now, some eight, nine years later, mm-hmm. where you guys are like a, a full-fledged mm-hmm. operating machine, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you guys divide that time? Because I know that, I know that that could be tiresome. I'm one of those people. And I don't, a pain. I don't want to see the schedule. You know, I don't want to know what I have see? to do. I'm just going to do it. Do it? Yeah. And, and, and you see the easy, schedule. It's get... easier that way. See, it's much easier. I need to know how you prepare because I was. I told the guys once I was randomly on a Jackson's tour in London about three or so years ago. Mm-hmm. And you guys still move your bodies. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you I can't did do that, 50 years ago. And there, and there are like, tw- how many, y'all do like 12 songs at least. How do you prepare physically for something like that? It's called not taking drugs and not drinking and getting your oh, sleep and your rest. There you yeah, go. Because okay, Marlon, Marlon still, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. Not a stretch, not a warm-up, not a yoga, not a, not a vegan, not a... Not a not a keto, not a nothing. Just well, Marlon, he he don't eat any red meat, but uh, he's healthy. You know, uh, we have to uh, just do it. That's all we do. Just do it. Yeah. Not even a stretch or a warm up. I'm. Just... Well, Marlon stretches. Of course, they stretch. I don't do anything. I look at him. Tune <laughs> <laughs> <Between> my guitar. <laughs> and when did you fall in love with the Derby? I've been wearing this thing for twenty five years, maybe. Yeah. Back in the day when my kids were rolling around the UK, I went into the hattery and I I discovered bowlers. That's what they're. Uh, am I was I wrong in calling it a derby? No, it's a derby too. Okay. okay. So you were traveling with them at the, in the very early stages of three T. Yes. Were they teenagers then? Yes, they were. Okay, so I guess yeah, you had yeah, they to were, travel uh, with them. I think fifteen, sixteen, and something like that in that age group. Okay. Young teenagers. I see. So what is your, well, besides the Tito Tea Time, what you're contemplating, what's your, what is your future? What do you? Well, my future is to continue doing my solo thing and enjoy it. Of course, work with the brothers. I like to do a, a blues album and uh, do that whole thing. And that's basically all I'm looking for, just doing my music. I'm a musician, a singer, so I want to have, complete success in that area. Well, I think you'll have success in that area. I mean, Thank you're you. Jackson, for God's sake. <laughs> you're Jackson. Any other van requests, Steve? 
Uh, what? Then, you, oh, no. No. Okay. Uh, no, he's going to give me the car, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't need to request it again, do I? I don't know. <laughs> what, what's, what's the car you've had the longest of your cars? I have a 1930 Cabriolet um, Model A Ford that I, I adore. You That's know. your favorite? It's not my favorite. Don't it's the one I had that. the longest. I've had that. Which one's your favorite that you have? I have a 1948 Lincoln convertible that I adore. Wow. Can you just make me feel normal? Do you just have a regular, like, Corolla? Yeah. Prism? Like, just to go to corner store to get toilet papers? He go to Gelson's. He only go to Gelson's. What's a Gelson? If, that's the, the the ritzy grocery store. If he goes to the grocery store. How do you know store, about Gelson's? Because I, I live in L.A. now, so I just. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see you, Tito. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I feel you. <laughs> Wait, well, what is your car? What's your, what's your store car? You run around and do Aaron's car. Or do you have to stunt every time? I, 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 I No, I actually, I go in incognito. I have a few cars I like. You know, I don't I, feel bad I, now. I, I drive a, a Fiat 500. Oh, wow. And I drive a 1997 Dodge Ram pickup truck. Okay. Diesel. Yeah. Oh, that's, Diesel. That's, that's a download under radar car. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> I still consider that stunting. Well, I was waiting for you to say, like, I have a Scion or something. Like he does. <laughs> okay. That's what that's what Quest keeps, Tito. He keeps Scion and a Kia on deck just in case. Well, what? My one fan chases me down the street. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they saw the commercials. No, no, no. <laughs> Before I let you go, can you just tell one random is there is there just a random favorite story? Jackson story? There's a few. That uh, you can tell. Well, when we were young, back in the day, and uh, everybody know what Jermaine's like. <laughs> <laughs> or, better yet, just give me your give me your Jermaine story. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We used to have after the show, you know, the girls were crazy on stage, chase us off stage and come to the hotel. We have five, six hundred girls running through the hotels, trying to get up the stairs, up the elevators, we put security on the stairwells and at the elevators and everywhere. Yeah, like your and somehow were... Jermaine got somebody through. <laughs> what? He told me. I said our aunties and, were wild back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our aunties. Yeah. <laughs> Older sisters. But All anyhow, right. so uh, anyhow, uh, Jermaine, that, uh, Jermaine and Michael shared rooms, and he told Michael, because uh, I, 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 he stutters a little bit. He don't do this when he sings, but when he talks, he stutters a little. Mm-hmm. I, 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 Michael, I, I, I got a girl coming over, so when she come here, I, I want you to hide. So, <laughs> so I guess the girl knocks on the door. Okay, Michael. Hi, hi, Mike. Mike hides under the bed. Oh. Right. So the young lady walks in the room, and uh, Jermaine's enjoying her. And uh, and all of a sudden, she goes, "Wait a minute! I feel a third hand." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Tito Jackson. Please Ladies tell Jermaine he's welcome here any time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Questlove Supreme, Boss Bill, Junebug, Sugar Steve, Islaia, shout out to Fontiglo and Unpaid Bill. Thank you very much, Mr. Jackson. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, we didn't ask one question. Why did you never get the curl?
Why I never get who? <laughs> Why did you never get the curl? The curl? In the hair. Oh, I'm me. I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. This is Quest Love Supreme. We will see you on the next go around. Check it later. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.